and welcome to It's Gym Time, the podcast where I share God-given wisdom from everyday, ordinary things. I am your host, Jennifer Coleman, and I am so excited you guys decided to join me today. Let's go ahead and hop into it. So we are going to talk about the gem of the day, which is entitled photobomb. And so this is a newer term for some folks. So we'll start off first with just talking about what is a photobomb? So what is a photobomb? So have y'all ever been out when you're taking a picture, you know, you posed up, you got it together, everybody's in alignment and somebody finds their way and ruining what you thought would be the perfect picture. It is, and in my own experience, it is the worst, you know, especially when you had everything mapped up, you're ready to go. So uh, a photobomb is, again, it's something where you are, it's picture perfect and there is something in between in the background, somebody just rolls up right when you click um, and kind of messes up, you know, the whole flow. So this got me thinking about how this applied to life and God, as usual, downloaded some gems. So First of all, you know, it's bad enough when it's somebody, you know, hopping in where they weren't supposed to be. But it's a whole nother ballgame when it's a stranger. So today I'm going to talk about how to adjust when we face photobombs in real life. So when I'm talking about photobombs and applying it to real life, uh, you want to think about it in the way of these are circumstances. So the photobombs, when we're relating it to real life is circumstances that we really didn't see coming. Things that switch our plans and the aesthetic of what we felt like life should look like. And it doesn't turn out that way. So the three points for today's gym is uh, number one, uh, adjust to frame only the people or things you want. Yeah, that's your first choice when you're photobombed. Second point, uh, second choice when you're photobombed is you may have to crop the picture. And number three, you may have to just take a new picture and do a redo. So I'm going to go uh, in order and, and talk about some things related to this and, and, you know, how we can do this in our own life in real time. So going back to point number one, adjust the frame, uh, adjust to frame only the people or things that you want. So when we're thinking about the photo bombs and taking these pictures, sometimes we can't necessarily ask people to move in public places. You know, you're taking a picture. You don't want to be rude and tell people, hey, you know, get up out of the way. We doing this, whatever. Some people who are more assertive and don't have that issue may. But for a little bit of my introverts uh, out there, we, you know, we find it difficult sometimes to do that. So we take those pictures in hopes that people in the background kind of get the they get the message and they see what's going on and they move. Um, so an example is. Um, you know, when there's people in the background, um, you know, you are, let's say kids are playing, you know, what do you do? You stand up and you move your camera around their head. Like you, you, you do your best to kind of, um, get outside of the shot of, you know, the people that are in the background. Uh, you may move around so that you get the shot that you're looking for. So an example of this kind of biblically of somebody kind of adjusting, uh, moving the frame to get what they wanted um, is a story that I enjoy in Luke 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Um, and I'd like to just uh, kind of go through that here. So Luke 5, uh, verses 17 through 20, I'll, I'll start off reading this here to kind of give you guys the background for anybody who's not familiar with this. This is the story um, that they entitle in most Bibles, Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. So it says 17, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. 
some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And so I open up with that story uh, because it shows us that, you know, again, this was a story of a man lowered into a home because he wanted so bad to get his healing. So he understood that the vision of him, you know, his original vision of him, you know, being able to easily access Jesus, you know, through the door like everybody else uh, may not look like he wanted it to, but he was determined to get a shot. His first mind, once again, was, you know, probably to go through the front door. But when he saw that this wasn't an option, he adjusted and got in by any means necessary. And this brings up an important point for us in life. So what happens for you when life becomes uncomfortable? You know, do you choose to give up or do you adjust? Adjusting could mean going a different route than what you imagine to get what you want to accomplish. Um, and so and even in my own personal life, I'll share a story. You know, um, I became pregnant with my first daughter during my sophomore year of college. And for all of you out there who are parents, we all know that bringing a child into this world means making adjustments to your world. And as a young college student, for most, ideally, you imagine, you know, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to finish in four years, and then I'm going to move on to my career and life after. Um, but for working parents, that may look a bit different. And for many parents, the time commitment, the prolonged years of study, you know, now uh, with the situation, uh, et cetera, could cause some to just throw in the towel or take a pause. And so I'd be saying or I'd be lying rather to say that it didn't cross my mind to give up or that others weren't also telling me to do the same. Um, but that led me to, you know, again, another direction. Um, I took my daughter's arrival as a motivator to achieve what I set out to do to ensure a bright future for her. And there were definite edits, you know, we're talking about these photo bombs, you know, there were definite edits, you know, meaning I had to do less classes at a time that would uh, equate uh, an additional year and a half of school that I didn't see in the beginning, you know, uh, feedings and taking care of her during online classes and writing papers at night. Um, so I'd be lying to say that it was a cakewalk, but worth it. And so I say that to say that when life happens and changes occur, we have the choice to give up or keep going to continue to run the race that God has set out for us. And the paralyzed man in this story reminded me of this time in my life where I wouldn't be able to go through the tr traditional door, but I didn't let this stop what God was trying to finish in me or for us. And I hope that you would also take the same approach. So again, this first point is about, you know, when you're photobombed, the first choice you have when you're looking at this picture, folks are all up in the background is like, you have to like, are there ways to adjust the frame? So, you know, you can get the people or the things that you want. So First one, we're choosing, let's say, mm, let's adjust. Let's just adjust the camera a little bit. Let's figure it out. We're still going to get this shot. Um, leading that to my second point. When you're photobombed, you may have to crop the picture. Again, you may have to crop the picture. So this is where things get a little uncomfortable when you've been photobombed. Because when you're photobombed, most times the person is in a space that you can make a clean cut easier if they are in the background versus somebody that's right in the center of things. And I have had this happen uh, where you kind of realize that you have to make some irregular edits to make the picture look normal. 
and it may even leave, you know, may even leave the picture looking distorted. So cropping people and things out of the picture to make things work is also shown in the word. Because, uh, you know, I always got to go back to how this relates, you know, to our to our word of God. So um, the best example of this is the story of Lot and Genesis chapter 19. And I'm not about to read that whole chapter. <laughs> I'll encourage you guys to do so, uh, though, because it depicts the story of Lot being faced with a major decision to leave destruction and for his life and fa- the life, his life and the life of his family to be saved due to the atrocities and the willful sin that was present uh, in that time in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, So Lot's photobomb was that his vision for his family was not to leave, you know, Sodom, but God wanted him to leave because he didn't want him to give in to the heinous sin that occurred there. He was commanding him to leave the the because he was set apart as well and saved him from destruction. And so we crop things in our pictures that don't belong there. Um, Lot didn't belong there. So by God's grace and mercy, he allowed him to flee. And uh, I also noticed when reading this that Lot hesitated. Uh, And you can find that in Genesis, uh, again, 19. It's in the 16th verse where it talks about him hesitating. And when I began to think about like, dude, why would you do that when God is telling you destruction is coming and he's going to save your life? He has it in mind to bring you into freedom. Um, and from a human standpoint and from just rereading this, you know, it was because it was he was familiar. It was familiar. Uh, he wasn't used to what his picture or uh, the vision of his life outside of Sodom would look like, even though he had seen what the men tried to do to his daughters. Um, he knew what fury was coming upon them, the whole nine, you know, everything. He but and he still hesitated. So even though we might be tempted to judge Lot, we do it. Because how many times have we been in a relationship, a friendship, and know it's not right, but we can't unsee them not being in our picture. It hurts to come to a realization that they need to be cropped out and maybe should have never been there. Uh, you know, that they are photobombs, you know, and these photobombs are harder to edit because they mean something. So this is a hard truth for a lot of us is when God is calling us to crop folks out the picture. And we don't necessarily want to do so. Um, but it could be a major part of us moving forward to a place in our lives of fruitfulness, mercy, purpose, life. Um, and what I appreciate is even in Lot's hesitation, um, you know, it says a man, an angel took him, his wife and two daughters by the hand and led them out. And so if you've been you if you've had trouble cropping someone or something out of your situation, Ask for help uh, from a trusted friend, a church family member, you know, your support system, whoever. Like, that's the, the great thing about um, community. And we can talk about that at a different time of what, like, why community, fellowship, and relationship is important. Because sometimes we're afraid to crop people, places, and things out of our life that are unhealthy um, and that aren't fruitful. And we need wise counsel and others to help us to do it and pull us through. So the picture may not look the same without them in it. You know, you crop this picture it used to look like it maybe was your perfect, the your favorite picture. And so it's not going to look the same, but the new version will have all the important people present, the important things present. 
And so, again, sometimes we we resist cropping things out because we can't imagine it. But there are some times where it's solely needed to have all of the right things and alignment in our life. So that's that's point number two. So when we're photobombed, sometimes it's not about maneuvering around people's heads. Sometimes we got to crop folks out, things out, places out um, to get a better picture. So that is point two. Point three, when we can't adjust and move around people's heads, we can't, uh, you know, crop folks out or crop things out. Sometimes we just have to just throw it all away and take a new picture. We got to redo. So that's point three. When you have been photobombed, sometimes you just got to take a new picture and you got to redo, you know, because sometimes it's just not possible to do otherwise. Sometimes there's so much going on that we have to throw everything away. Um, and so why is this necessary? Sometimes in real life, this what does this look like? You know, when God literally takes people out of your picture beyond your control. And when I say beyond your control, I mean through death, through abandonment, things of that nature. When I say out of your control, those are some of the, uh, you know, situations that I'm referring to. Um, you know, sometimes he removes us from a job a place we felt we belonged, uh, a rejection from an opportunity that we really had our minds and our hearts set on. And they force us to switch up what we originally planned. And so in scripture, we hear uh, so much and throughout in and out scripture, we hear God talk about making things new. Uh, You always hear about, you know, newness, new birth, new life. Uh, That's one of the biggest things we know about is, you know, the gifts of having a new birth, a new life through uh, when we're at the time of salvation due to the resurrection. And, you know, uh, one of the verses that magnifies this um, that I love in terms of when we talk about newness is Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, where he says, uh, you know, behold, God is saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so every time he talks about new, it's for the good. But when we are faced with having to start over, it can be painful. Um, But I'll just going back to uh, Isaiah 43, verse 19. um, Just looking at that verse, we see here that when he's talking about the old The old is signified by when he says the wilderness. So again, he says, I'm doing a new thing. It's now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers and the desert. When he talks about the old, the old is signified by the wilderness and the desert, the words wilderness and desert. Um, And so looking at the word wilderness, you know, wilderness is a neglected um, or abandoned area uh, of a garden or town. And this is kind of Miriam Webster. So uh, again, Wilderness, it's someplace it's neglected, it's abandoned. Um, and, and also a, an alternative definition for this is it's a position of disfavor. Um, and then the other word that he uses to signify old is the word desert. And desert is defined as uh, an arid land with usually sparse vegetation. Um, and so, uh, you know, nothing can grow here. That's what it's saying. A desert is a place where things cannot grow. Um, and that's why they use the word arid. Arid means dry. It, and, you know, it's depicting why God uses the word rivers when he says, you know, I'll, you know, I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So he's saying I'll put a, ri- a river in a place that has no ability to grow. 
and a river is what it's water um and so it's 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 signifying using something to bring life-sustaining resources of water to induce growth in us to induce nutrients to a land that was once depleted of this so what we see here is a depiction of God telling us that, you know, there is many times when he's telling us to redo and just start all the way over in a place that is old, it's deserted. There's no growth there. There is uh, no way for things to thrive and flourish there is, you know, OK, I'm going to make this new. How do I make things new? I have to come out of this space. Um, but in our personal lives, sometimes um you know, it can be very painful um, because we don't know how things will look. We don't know necessarily um, how to start over many times. And so a very kind of like very minimal example of this or a, 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 a simple example of this um, I was thinking about was a story about uh, a clothes fitting or rather me shopping for new clothes. And for everybody out there who has ever gained weight and lost weight, you you understand my pain overall. And so uh, the story is just simply, you know, going shopping one day after I had lost, you know, uh, a pretty substantial amount of weight. And I had gone, you know, to the, you know, gotten a, a couple of pairs of pants. And um, for whatever reason, like I knew about the new size I was in, but just in case I had bought, you know, just a few of the old size with me because I was like, you know, just in case I, you know, I'm not exactly where I need to be. I bought them in for comfort. So um, I, I, you know, I get in the dressing room and, you know, I tried on the new size pants and they fit perfectly, but there was still some resistance in me getting them because my flesh was resistant to the change uh, because I was so used to not having, um, uh, I was so used to not having, you know, self-control and discipline. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm probably going to need these things, you know, this bigger size, just in case um, I go back to, you know, my old ways just in case, you know, whatever. And then another part of me was kind of dying in the fact that I didn't want to start all the way over. If we're being honest, like we're living in a time of inflation. It's crazy out here. Who's trying to buy new wardrobes, right? So in my mind, even though I'm trying on this new size that signifies new smaller size at that, that signified more growth, more self-discipline, um, I was still resistant because I knew that if these if this smaller side was, you know, it was fitting me exactly the way it needed to be fitted. There was no way I was in this bigger size anymore that I officially had stepped out of, you know, an era of time uh, or size for that matter, which meant that when I returned home, there was a lot of purging that had to occur. And so I was resistant to that because I just didn't want to start over. And so why am I saying all of this, you know, for point three is sometimes God is telling you in your own life, if there are photobombs, there's things that are, you know, coming to pass in our life and, you know, uh, or there are things that are outside of our control that are happening again, whether that be, you know, losing people, being abandoned, uh, losing a job, losing our belongings, you know, rejection from different things, different people that force us to switch up from what we originally planned is to kind of encourage you guys to understand that every time God talks about something being made new, that he is bringing us into something better and that the old, the things that he is removing from us are places where many times he sees that we've outgrown 
many times that he or um, they are situations that uh, we have to move through and we have no choice but to move forward. But he promises us that in that place that he will make a way. Um, like it says here in Isaiah, that he will make a way um, through the wilderness, you know, those times of pain, those times of heartache um, and a river in the desert. He will, you know, bring growth to the places that we're willing to leave that are no longer serving us. And so um, just for point three and, and, and putting this into uh, a concise way is not being afraid when God removes things from our lives outside of our control or many times things that may be in our control. But when he removes it, um, knowing that there is newness and growth and uh, abundance awaiting us when we're willing to lay everything down, surrender it to God um, and step into into that season um, or whatever that thing is for us. So we're going to go back over. So that is the when we're talking about the lesson from the photobomb, when we're photobombed in life, meaning when circumstances that come to us that we aren't really seeing, you know, we, ne- we never expected. We can either adjust, you know, adjust that frame um, to get the things that we want. So, again, you're, you know, kind of looking over other people's heads, kind of just rem- moving around, you know, to make things happen and not giving up. Uh, point two is, you know, we may have to crop, you know, this can be. People, places, and things. We may have to crop some things um, as as the Lord sees fit, um, and to edit those things so that we can um, go and be what God wants us to be. And then uh, take a new picture. Sometimes, when it really comes down to it, many times we may have to take a new picture and redo it. But it's all for the good. Um, it's all for the good and the glory of God. Um, even though that's a hard, hard word to imagine when there are things that happen to us that we would rather not. But what lies on the other side of that, God depicts as new in the Bible as all things that uh, lead uh, and and uh, prosperity and abundance. So. Um, those are the three takeaways. Um, I hope that you guys would reflect on that this week when you are faced with circumstances that catch you by surprise, uh, whether that means you have to adjust, crop, just throw everything away and start over to not be dismayed and not to be discouraged and know that God is with you um, and to kind of just be in prayer about which one of those options maybe um, that he wants you to take on in this season to still achieve what he has for you in this life. So um, thank you. If you've already, uh, if you've gotten to this point and you've listened to the end, thank you guys so much as usual. And I pray that you all have a great week and we out.